Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. Well, I guess that means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. All right, let's go. Okay, this week, uh, so really what, what prompted this happened a few months ago, and I thought I was going to experience the same thing this weekend, but it didn't happen, but uh, my favorite coffee roaster in D.C. is this place called Qualia Coffee, and I've been there a couple times, and but I buy their, their roasted beans like every two weeks. They're definitely my favorite, but their shop is really cool among other things it's it's small it's in kind of an area of dc that is not as as populated as others um and uh they also on weekends they turn off the wi-fi because they just want people to hang out they don't want them sitting there with their computers taking up a whole table that's kind of neat yeah yeah i'm I'm a big fan and it i would go there more often it's just way north it's it's one stop north of uh, columbia heights it's in petworth so Mm. you know max you can understand how how far up there it is but for for some caffeine yeah well it's great caffeine but one of the last times i went there i you know was just hanging out and wanted to have a pour over because they have so many different beans and i'm like let me pick something that's really good so uh and i really like them so i'm wanting to show my appreciation beyond just the price of the cup and throw a tip but the way they prepare their pour-over, given this age of technology and, and really amazing things, you know, mathematics and everything else, um, they have a pour-over machine that is robotic. So I left the tip, but I wasn't tipping the person who made my coffee for me because the person who made my coffee for me is a robot. Okay. So what... I, you know, what I wanted to talk about this week is is us to talk about is really the practice of tipping. And I actually think that last weekend we had a good, we went to Old Ox, Max, and we had a really good, um, really enjoyed our time there. But you end up with a situation where we were interacting with three or four different people who served us, but where does it go? when you do that like the the tipping have you i mean and i know both of you have been in the service industry before um does that ever play when you're coming to play as as servers i mean i should probably punt to to max on this one because i worked in restaurants as a summer job for a couple years but it was it was a you know it was a fast casual place uh, where you order at a counter and then are given table service. So I was the cashier. So I was not, uh, I was actually not paid uh, a reduced wage and then given tips. I was just paid what, eight or nine dollars an hour. Now, Max, your experience was different, correct? Yes. In, yeah. In in what way? I worked in a uh, sit down restaurant for eight years. Between being a bus person and a host person and a server person and a food runner person, um, those all and, sound like clinical titles. Uh, yeah, um, I, I would I would say I occasionally got like direct tips as a host. Yeah, but it was pretty rare. Um, but the servers and let's just say the servers, your waiter will get a tip, and those tips are split mm-hmm. between all the support staff and the bartender yeah and the way we split it was um i believe it was 20 percent mm-hmm. of your tips uh, maybe even 30 percent um were given out so when you tipped the waiter at least at the restaurant i worked at you were tipping the, per- the bus person who brought you bread and gave you water you were tipping the host who sat you and you were tipping the bartender that made your drinks yeah but um, I don't necessarily know that as the consumer, though, no, do you I? No, you don't. And, and I, honestly, I have no idea how that works in a 
coffee shop. I know some coffee shops pool their tips. Yeah. Some some uh, restaurants pool their tips. They'll just everyone puts all the tips in at the end of the night, and then they have some way to figure out who gets an even share. So so that yeah. you don't necessarily get screwed over by uh, occasionally. And I, I don't want to sound um, politically incorrect, but occasionally you'll get a table or two of usually they're like Europeans who don't realize they have to tip. Or you'll just get people who don't tip because they're rude. But sometimes you get people that just <laughs> yeah. clearly don't understand, and they and you, you can't really say something. Yeah. So no, sometimes some wait some waitress might have uh, a whole section, and she gets severely fewer tips because of that happens. And sometimes and we didn't pull tips, but sometimes we would do corrections where we would say, "Oh, let's make this right," because yeah. it's not like one person's clearly working a lot harder. Um, it's just that they kind of got screwed over. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I'd, well, I, ahead, I don't know. I wouldn't say that that's like politically incorrect. It, you know, it, there's a different practice in Europe. You, yeah. you, they pay their, you know, restaurants pay their employees proper wages, and you just you don't tip unless services above and beyond. Um, but it, it that reminds me of the movie Waiting, which I imagine I will reference at least one more time during this episode. Uh, where uh, a stressed, overworked server gets a table full of uh, of German people who uh, are, are are basically are pretending to be they're German speakers really who are are pretending to be German and not understand English so they don't have to tip. <laughs> um, but I mean, God, the the iconic scene at the beginning of Reservoir Dogs. Uh, where, uh, where the, the various dogs, um, as I believe they were called, uh, are are sitting around a table in a, a diner, type restaurant, and and wind up having an argument about the practice of tipping because, uh, because Mr. Pink doesn't tip. Yeah, I you know I think Maxie made a really good point, and and Sean even your experience to a great degree goes into that but for at at restaurants people have different roles as far as the the customer facing uh part part of the house they they have different roles and you do different things and you know the the person who comes to your table and is getting orders and bringing food out or well i know they're food runners too but max your role as not a bus person as is is a waiter versus a host you're doing everything so you are you are the one who is the really the customer how they're interacting with the restaurant as far as like coffee shops though and even i think breweries it's more everyone kind of doing the same thing it's it's not like it's not like you're in the brewery and you're like hey here here's this tip go give it to the brewer because they did such a good time like if you gave you know my compliments to the chef kind of deal so i think there's different roles where i i think i have the most trouble and even even yesterday we were at right proper in dc and you you were thinking yeah clapping because it's it's a good it's i think it's a really good spot it's difficult as hell to get to but um the you know we kind of talked about you know like you know a couple of different people helped us and they did a little bit more than i think breweries normally do and it's just kind of figuring out it's like well all these people are at least for me all these people are doing very similar things but i want to show appreciation for the person who did it for me but i think what you're saying is there's Granted, there might be different levels because you're splitting it up at the end, but there's kind of a a more I don't know, democratic experience where everyone gets a share. That's how my experience was. But like I said, there <coughs> were absolutely scenarios, and it wasn't even that rare, where tables, when I was a bus person, tables would give me money on the side and say, you know, we just want to make sure you get taken care of because you've been so helpful. And yeah. that was, you know, normally a bus person just kind of clears the dishes, but... I like to talk to people, so I would talk more about the desserts, and, and people would like that. And, and Wait, as a, as a waitstaff or as a bus no, person? No, as a bus person. <laughs> How did you even have the opportunity to interface So that's people? actually why I became a host. My, my boss got mad because he said, I, you're spending too much time talking to the customers. You're not in a role to talk to the customers, so I'm going to put you in a role to talk to the customers. <laughs> Wait, and I was way better at that, I'll Sean, be honest. Sean, um, how ironic is this that, that you know, in this, in this other forum, in this other uh, employment max was talking too much which is it took us it took us a year to get you to say the words (laughs) i'm max at the end of a podcast 
and it's not even like he's playing a character. This is just he naturally comes in, you know. Yeah. We we, but that's that's good. I mean, at least with this, you have a lot of experience in, and can talk about it. Um, and so I now one question I had with this, and this is something that has always fascinated me, and I think we'll get into a different part of this discussion. But at a restaurant, and you didn't work in Utah, correct? No. Okay. So sometimes people would order alcohol, right? Yes. Okay. Sometimes they would order wine. Correct? Yes. Okay. So wine is a wonderful thing. I honestly like it more than beer, which is kind of fascinating um, to, to me and given my proclivities uh, and, and lifestyle. But the, the thing about wine is it can get pretty expensive pretty quickly. And you can order a bottle of wine that is, I don't know, more expensive than the $20. Maybe it's 60 maybe it's 80 maybe it's $150. What's the most Let's, expensive bottle of wine you ever served, actually? The one I ever served? I believe it was 180 Okay. It was our most expensive. We might have had a 225 bottle, but I think it was 180 that I sold a, f- a few of to one table once. It was oh. fantastic. Uh, how much were you sweating when you were pouring it? Because pouring <laughs> wine is not that easy. Uh, yeah, you also have to open it at the table. <laughs> um, and do the whole thing where you show them, and is this the one you wanted? Yeah, that's the one I ordered. <laughs> and then you open it, and then you, you pour whoever ordered it a little tiny taste, and they're supposed to taste it and make sure that it's what they mm. wanted and it hasn't gone bad. And sometimes they have no idea what they're doing. I, I like that like, you said you pour sometimes? it for whoever. Hmm? Sometimes they have no idea what they're doing. Usually they're just like, yeah, that's wine. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like grapes. I mean, I- I don't, why do you say it's funny that I you pour it to whoever ordered no, it? No, yeah, I'm glad you said whoever ordered it because because I was I was going to ask that like who do you who do you pour it for? Because I feel like a lot of times the inclination is like whoever seems to be the patriarch of the table kind of feel, and that is you know. So usually with wine, actually a table if the table is doing something where they're getting a bottle of wine, mm-hmm. they'll usually go to one or maybe two people to kind of place the order, and it's very obvious when you get the order that that's the person who yeah. is the wine person at the table. So it's actually not that ambiguous. And if they want it to, and sometimes you know you pour in, the, oh no, you try this, or they'll you know. But yeah. I I don't think I've ever had like a what is it called a corked? Is that what it's called? Corkage fee. No, no, no. When the, when the when the wine's gone bad, isn't it called? Oh, when a wine is wine is corked. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, so I never served. I never had that experience. I don't think. That so I my my where someone didn't want it after I sampled it. My uh, my wine friend has has pointed out to me before, and I think it's a great like little anecdote. Is like there there aren't great years. There are great bottles because you can have one that's corked and one that tastes off. And I've I've been around people, and it's not like. It was corked. It was just like I expected way more. And I've had this before. It should have been as good. But, uh, okay, so you described the situation where you have – you're serving a $180 bottle of wine. And the rest of the dinner could yeah. conceivably not cost that much. Were you tipped a lot more if you – same dinner is ordered but different bottles of wine? I, I was I – was, I worked in a restaurant that was mainly – uh, tourists and people that were fairly well off and i would say that the expectation was you're going to get a 20 percent of the total bill as a tip yeah sometimes more yeah sometimes less but usually around there if not more mm-hmm. yeah so yes if someone bought 280 dollars bottles of wine that was a lot of extra cash but did you do any extra work i had to open the wine but, but i didn't do any extra work than the than a than a cheaper bottle yeah. My favorite were the expensive bottles that were twist-offs, because oh. that was easy. <laughs> then I didn't even have to get the corkscrew out. I could just twist it, um, but it was still expensive. I'm, honestly, the, the pouring is more concerning to me because of the little drip that you get at the end that comes. That if you don't, if you don't turn, if you don't pour and turn right, you get a little drip. But you wrap a towel around it. Or not see, I, I was pretty good at pouring. I, I had no issues opening them. I'm not, I'm not good at opening bottles of wine. Yeah. No, um, but there was a. I think there was only one or two instances where I was struggling enough to call in backup. I, um, but again, it was a very low stress environment. I should emphasize this: that the, while the restaurant I worked at was very good and decently expensive, it was still like kind of a beachy vibe. It was on the beach, so it was very casual, and everyone was sort of on vacation, you know, Hawaiian shirts type deal. So it was never a stressful like this is a super formal dinner. You have to get everything perfect. Everyone was always very happy and. And gladly would tip, you know, twenty five percent on a hundred and eighty dollar bottle of red wine. 
I guess, Sean, I, I, what Max just described as far as like the percentage thing, mm-hmm. is, is, that, is that the way that you approach this as well? Like if you go out to a restaurant and you know, you're paying for dinner or whatever, do you do it on a percentage basis for tipping? Yeah. Yeah, I That's, think it's the... Uh, is, that, is there a different way to do it? Does anyone well, not do that? I mean, no. I, so my, my understanding is, or, or at least what I've sort of come to know and my, my process is um, on the order of 20% on the subtotal. So not on, <laughs> you don't, I, I don't tip on tax I don't, and I don't know if I'm, if I'm doing that wrong. Um, no, I do, but it's because I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> No, I like I've gone out to not not inexpensive, uh, relatively expensive for my station in life sure. uh, dinners, and I didn't realize that till pretty recently. That and DC where sales tax is ten percent, um, yeah. I probably screwed myself a little bit a couple times. But you know, I was I was happy to do it because I realized that these servers are maybe. Why you are smirking, Max? I'm concerned. I'm smirking because you're saying, uh, "Oh, like I screwed myself over because you accidentally tipped more than you think you should have." No, no, no. I was even even realizing that I am okay with tipping that amount for something. Because I've heard people say that before, like, "Oh, I found out you're you're supposed to tip on the subtotal." It's like it's a tip. You're supposed to tip how much you think. I don't. I don't know about. I don't know about that. I've heard it as well. I've heard it plenty of times. So. it makes sense. You're, you're tipping on the value of what you bought, and you're not tipping on the value that they're sending off to, to Uncle Sam. But you should. But you can still tip more. I don't. Of mean course. To... And but this this brings. I, I think the question that it brings up is, for, for someone who doesn't. For someone like, for someone who's never worked in that capacity, for someone who's never worked in a restaurant before, like, I I, I can see how it might be a little tricky like if you're not really aware to like to value out service in a restaurant um and so for those people it's it's nice to have rules of thumb to fall back on sure and a lot of restaurants maybe not nice ones but i've seen on uh, plenty of restaurants the receipt will actually have like suggested that that upsets me because people should be able to do percentages in their heads well it's like basic ass mental math that someone taking out their phone to to calculate a tip it just i i'm wrong for this but that drives me crazy i i think that we are we are narrowing it a little bit here and that's fine because i'm more interested in this kind of serving this this restaurant aspect as far as like how much people i think it gets really confusing when you talk about like at, at the bar, like if someone hands you a bottle of, of Bud Light versus someone pours you something versus someone makes you a cocktail bar, or a mixed drink. Bar's super easy. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, so that's another one that I didn't necessarily go by that. And again, you know, to go to, to kind of wrap up, you know, you made the point earlier. I don't think I was actually screwing myself It's at all. I, I thought that the service that I, I got was probably deserving of that. Though sometimes I feel like I'm being too nice all the time and I should be more discerning. And like when mm-hmm. people have really good, I'm by doing the same every time I am not crediting the really good service. Sure. And it's, and it's interesting you say bars are super easy. Cause I also realize I do something else, which is I will tip also based on how long I am taking up the spot. Ooh, Basically suggesting that if I'm sitting and the reason this comes up is because I play trivia at bars. And when I go to a bar for trivia, I will sit for four hours but I'm not consuming four hours worth of stuff yep. if I just went for dinner. Yep. So I will tip more when I'm sitting at a table because I'm not drinking enough to make up for the fact that they could have sat on another table. Now, granted, it's trivia night, so it's like they're kind of used to that. I know. But I still tip more because I'm t- – and it's the same thing with with coffee shops. I would like to take it back there because if I'm yep. getting a coffee shop coffee to go, I'm probably not going to tip. And if I'm planning on sitting in the coffee shop, I do tip. Um, yeah, And then this okay. also reminds me of – a coffee shop in Paris, I think, where they don't, they charge by the hour. And everything in the coffee shop is free. Whoa. But you pay by the hour to be there. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. 
I think you get, especially That's... here where people order like the orders that we have at coffee shops become. That is arguably that might be the best way to do this. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. But and it's just an it's like hours. It might have been an hour or half hour segments, and the first one's like, I think it's first one's rounded up. So if you just come and get a coffee, I think it's like reasonable. It doesn't so, lend itself very well to getting coffee to go, but as you guys probably are aware, that's not really a European thing to do. Right. So if I can if I can bring this back to tipping though, because that's a little different because you're mm. when you do that, you're compensating the establishment for its time and space as yeah. opposed to tipping, which is meant to reward servers for their service. So right. So we kind of we got to come back, I guess, to this question of why, like, why is why is tipping a thing? Because I I think one of you made I, the, one of you made the point. I, what I mean by that is one of you made the point either earlier in the episode or before we started that the United States is maybe the only country in which tipping is expected as a way for people who work in, in particularly in waiting jobs yeah. to to make their sort of full pay yeah and we should talk about that and and just the way you said that in itself it remi- it it occurs to me how antithetical this process is to the idea of tipping which is like you did your job, but you did your job so well that I want to, I want to show how you did it. But it's compens- it's it's supplementary as opposed to complementary. The way we do it, yes. Max. And, well, I was just curious because I you're right that I don't think they do much tipping um, in many other countries, at least that I've been to. What about uh, when you get a haircut? Like, do you tip on a haircut in Europe? I don't. That's a really good question. I have no idea. Because you, you guys tip on haircuts here, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Like a thing that you do. Everyone does. Well, that's because they only accept cash, and it's like, I don't have... <laughs> right, yeah. They they set... I don't, it's going to sound like kind of conspiratorial, but they set their prices at weird increments of money so that you can't... Yeah. So that you have to ask for change. Mm-hmm. So... That I mean, I'm, is true. It just happened to I'm, me. My, I'm happy... Actually, my haircut is just priced so inexpensively that I... I should be paying two or three dollars more anyway so whatever who cares and again i don't mind paying <laughs> the extra amount i think that they are deserving of that of course but i think that there's something on the you know in the back so, end that they're doing on so purpose. you wish that the that the wages for the employees was priced into the product so yeah i think this um, is the point that we're getting to which is like getting to that point max you worked at a nice restaurant did you get paid minimum wage as a server yes oh i got paid you get paid nothing you get paid two forty-five an hour, technically. But when you get tips and you declare them to the government, they take the taxes out, and you're left with a paycheck for zero dollars every time. Does anyone claim their tips to the government? Yeah, you have to. You have to. What do you mean? You have to declare your tips. You are supposed to declare your full tips. Yes. To the government. Y- yeah. You have to declare credit card tips yeah okay those are in the system that's what i yeah uh i'm not gonna say what we did or did not do but i'm familiar with some places where they have policies of declaring a certain percentage of your tips um which is most of them yeah uh but not necessarily all so you do declare tips and then you that's why you get a paycheck for zero dollars so no i got paid much less than minimum wage so I guess the question is, instead of these weird acrobatics that we hear we're supposed to do or not do, would it not just be better if if servers and, and bus people and bus people, um, hosts uh, were just paid the same minimum wage that I got when I worked at a golf course, also a service industry, and I got tips occasionally when I did something that was, um, you know, particularly helpful for some customer so i'll say would it be better for whom and i'll give for, you two reasons for the people One, that we as are... the host and stuff i i made way more money than i would have made at a job without tips and the uh second thing i would say is 
uh, if you've ever noticed, um, a lot of things in the U.S. cost like nineteen ninety nine, nineteen ninety five, and they always add that nine tenths of a cent to the price of a gallon of gasoline. Yeah, you're familiar with this, correct? You know why they do that? Uh, explain. I'm just when you see a price that's nineteen ninety nine, it starts with a one, mm-hmm. and in your brain, that's way different than a price that starts with a two. Correct. So if you priced all that stuff into the food at a restaurant, all of a sudden you'd be seeing entrees that instead of being nineteen ninety nine are twenty six or twenty seven dollars, or a thirty dollar entree is now a a thirty eight dollar entree. And if if it, it, in a perfect world, if we could somehow just make the switch and all of a sudden every restaurant charged the fair price and tipping wasn't expected, then yes, that would that would work. But as soon as one restaurant does that, they're going to lose out a bunch of business because their their food is going to be seen as way more expensive than anywhere else. And I don't think people are even if people are bright enough to realize that it's just the tips. It's there's a there's something that happens in the back of your head where you see a price that that ends in a nine and is rounded down and it seems a lot less but so a point i would bring up and this is something that using europe as an example i've i've thought of before is that but aren't we so in europe like being being a a a waiter that type of service industry that's a fine profession to have i feel like in america except for very select restaurants and even still there i feel like we don't view it the same way and i wonder if that's part of the problem here is you know, there's there's no reason why if you would wanted to be a waiter forever, why you shouldn't be able to do that. And you know, I do know people who are you know much older than us, and they they do that. But it's like this, it's like oh, you're in the service industry, but not like the three of us are actually in the service industry because we have service sector technically jobs as well. No one's tipping us, um, and it's seen as a fine profession. So I wonder if that's part of it. And you talk about this this numbers thing, and I would have to do more research because I know that there are restaurants that pay, you know, their people an actual wage. But um, I just I wonder if that's part of it. It's not just that things would get more expensive; it's that we don't view those people as having, you know, quote unquote, real jobs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if I can if I can cut in, like we're I, we're experiencing a couple uh, technical issues, so we might have to restart this skype call and and go back to that question in a hot second okay okay so uh you know we we won the battle with technology there but are are, are you sure about that do we really ever win (laughs) No, you know, as as we started this podcast, I (laughs) this all started with me being tripped up by a robot making me coffee. Yeah, this is quickly turning into a podcast about the singularity. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could do one on that, but I'm not smart enough. Uh, So what I just posed is that is part of the issue we have with paying servers a full amount or excuse me, an actual wage uh, and and this kind of goes with you bringing up max that things would get much more expensive if if we paid them actual wage what i asked was is maybe the problem that we view it as not a quote-unquote real profession a real job um and max like what type of people did you work with i mean what were their their backgrounds so uh again i can only speak to the position i had which was at a beach restaurant so it was really a summer spot for the most part Mm -hmm. um but i worked there through high school and college and most of the people i worked with were probably other um either college students or a lot of people who were working there over the summer during college and then just kind of went back after college that was very common Uh, yeah i i guess I guess that I, in some ways, disagree with your point that things would get more expensive. Because if if you paid people who worked at your restaurant a a an actual wage, you know they would probably work more. And seeing as it was a profession, they could they could live on that. So instead of like, how many hours a week did you work? Uh, I worked. I, I worked three nights a week. Yeah, usually. So how many hours is maybe 30? 
Yeah. Whereas Sean, I feel like, you know, you were, it was different, but you were at a restaurant and were you working more hourly base as opposed to this, this I worked shift four, base? I worked 30, but it was mm-hmm. spread out over, I worked like four days a week. Yeah. I, I, that's just that's just kind of how I view it is like if you treat it as a service job as you know we have service jobs it becomes a profession and people can I mean I mean this is basically you... just a different form I, I I'm sort of glad you disagreed with the premise because that just that turns a spotlight on this basically being another form of the the argument against the minimum wage yeah uh, or or against raising minimum wage which is that well, it'll be more expensive for us to, you know, provide goods and services, and and so we'll we'll hire less people. Um, I mean, it's a. Let's say that that. I don't think we know for sure that that would really happen. Yeah, um, I, I I don't think we do, and we can, as Max pointed to, we can point to the 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 Western European example of why this isn't necessarily the case. Right. Uh, I, yeah, I I think that you know you know raising the minimum wage or giving these people actually minimum wage you know if you have I feel like if you have happier employees that they're making more money won't that make for a better experience for me the customer but you should you should understand that a server at least in Massachusetts is going to get at least minimum wage yeah it's still illegal despite that is the fact true. that my hourly rate was 245 <laughs> if i clocked in 30 hours that week and didn't get any tips the restaurant would have to pay me 750 times the number yeah. of hours they had to pay me minimum wage it was that's... just that because you declared your tips those were part of your wages yeah that's not Wait, just i don't want people to think that waitresses don't make any money and as a server i actually made a ton of money and if you but but again i was a, i was a college student it's a ton of money for me i shouldn't say a ton of money it was i i was paid well but it would have been well, tough to live on so much rolling rock especially just living rolling. on throughout the year because <laughs> it was a summer spot um no, but I think even that you're like you made plenty of money, or you would have made the minimum wage. This this is I think inherently but the minimum wage isn't very much. The in, that is inherently the problem though. You were working at a pretty nice establishment. You had to have you showed that you were good enough at something with talking to people when you weren't supposed to that you could be a waiter. You were doing a good job at a good restaurant. If you know, if you work at a good company and you do a good job, you get paid for that. You get paid as an actual, fully waged human being. And what you're saying is they have to pay me at least minimum wage. But you weren't doing minimum wage work, which I don't even know what minimum wage work is. Like in the sense of like that shouldn't exist. You should minimum wage is kind of a, a precarious system. It's it's gross. But I would say maybe toll workers, but they get way more than minimum wage. <laughs> Probably because they're unionized. That's... And that's a different uh, topic. All right, but, all right Hamilton. Uh, so, but the point the point is, is that is a bad mindset, I think. The, the mindset of like, well, I'll get paid at least minimum wage. You weren't doing minimum wage work. You were at an establishment that was probably doing pretty well, as it continues to be open and is a restaurant. <laughs> and usually that's just, you know... Uh, oh yeah, they were they were printing money, but I'm not <laughs> sure that all restaurants do. I think a lot of them don't. Um, what I'd be interested in doing or seeing the analysis from is is if you were going to pay servers uh, wages separate from tips, do you think that most restaurants would would compensate fairly evenly? Because at the moment they absolutely do not, because you're tipping a percentage of the food. And when I go out and eat at Chili's. I don't know what the per person average is at Chili's, but you know that's the best way to probably judge it is how many how many customers are you going to handle in a night is probably the same no matter you can only serve so many tables. So how many how much money on average is each person I'm serving spending? Um, so at the restaurant I worked at it was probably right around fifty dollars. Yeah, but that's not the case everywhere, obviously. Um, I guess what, I guess in some ways what I'm proposing and, you know, you get into stuff like that, which is just kind of a fortune and you having to be at five great tables that night. And I work at 10 tables that are very middling and that's, that's just how it works. But, you know, maybe it's, <laughs> I don't think you went into your job thinking, okay, this is the hierarchy. I want to get to this point from the, the bus person, me being a bus boy. 
like I want to be a server or I want to be a manager. It's just not set up that way in part because it's a, you know, part-time job for you. Well, and because it's a, you know, and because it's a tipping based business. I mean, you know, there was a, a big, a big deal made, uh, I think two years ago, uh, late, late 2015. Um, Danny Meyer, the, the guy who started Shake Shack, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, made uh, made a point of saying that uh he was going to eliminate tipping just like bar it from his his restaurants and he said um uh, let me see i'm looking at this uh it's from an, an eater piece that um that i will uh i'll link to on the, the page for this episode Sure. Uh, the American system of tipping is awkward for all parties involved. Uh, restaurant patrons are expected to have the expertise to motivate and properly remunerate service professionals. Servers are expected to please up to a thousand different employers. And restaurateurs surrender their use of compensation as an appropriate tool to reward merit and promote excellence. Imagine if to prompt better service from your shoe salesman, you had to tip on the cost of your shoes, factoring in your perception of his shoe knowledge and the number of trips he took to the stock room in search of your size. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what I'm getting at on the whole with yeah. this topic is that why is this business model so completely oh, hold on. different than Ooh. anything else? I, I needed to read a line longer. That's okay. actually from a newsletter he wrote in 1994. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and then he actually put put that policy into place uh, 20 years later. Max, so, you were going to say? Well, I'm just, I was wondering, because again, going back to the restaurant I worked at, uh, the there were those staff, right? There were the bartenders and the servers, the bus people, the food runners, the hosts. Yeah. And they all got part of the tips. Yeah. Then there's the line chefs, the sous chefs and the dishwashers, and they did not. But and I they... never really understood why. Well, I assume that people that are cooking the food, like they've, like that, there is an industry there that you move up in. And then let's just talk about the dishwasher because that's really what I'm curious about. Do they get paid minimum wage? Uh, yeah, probably. I, yeah, I guess. Uh, I, I think that it still stands that you have. Even even within that, like even if oh well the the chefs and them they get you know paid like people would based on their skill and experience mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, it's like but that means that there are two different models in the same damn restaurant like that's that's just yes. so weird to me and but I will say it works out a little better for the for the owner of the restaurant because then they don't need to worry about like oh am I bringing in too many staff today that I'm going to lose money it makes it a little easier for them to calculate out those margins when they can say well we can bring in five servers which they did often and it was actually a problem was, oh i can bring in five servers and it doesn't cost me anything even though i may only need yeah. three and to your point if i was actually paying the three with the amount they deserved i can i would trust that those three would be doing very high quality work and i wouldn't need to bring in the other two who are just going to sit there and doing nothing and then leave and and my argument would be that if if it was this fictional world that you know of of you know the person deserving in a, in a you know meritocracy and saying like looking at your resume and be like you've had three years working at such and such restaurant I want to bring you on my staff is only ten people ten servers as opposed to potentially twenty because you know if I have you know ten working that I'm not going to lose any money but you are going to work forty to sixty hours a week you are you know i'm very much choosing you because of your skill you're going to get paid a competitive wage but this is the only industry where we don't seem to do it that way i'm sure there are others too but it just seems like sure. it's so it's so backwards in some ways well well I, I mentioned during the during the break that i and i don't know how it relates exactly but i mean the taxi industry has seen this sort of shake up because if if our younger listeners can recall, and when you take a taxi, you're expected to tip. You tip when you take a taxi. But, you know, when you take an Uber, you don't. Right. You actually don't and, and have – you don't you, even you have the ability really. to. I mean, I you could took, tip took cash. one Uber where a guy had a little box that said thanks for, like, tips, and he wanted cash. And I was like, this is weird. I, I don't feel comfortable with this because that's part of Uber's right. model is that you don't tip their drivers. But an and, Uber and, and neither do, And neither do they. 
<laughs> yeah, they, yeah, exactly. So, so how did that industry change? Do you so, expect that type of change well, to hit the restaurant the industry? Couple, there are a couple things there. Well, and what's going to happen when we have self-driving cars? You tip the car? Well, you don't tip. No, you don't tip. <laughs> well, no, Uber, sure. Uber is already set up for self-driving right. cars. You basically don't even talk to the driver. You tell the app where you want to go. Yeah. Sometimes the driver's like, which route do you want me to take? And I'm like, I don't know. You're the driver. <laughs> so that's, that, that's a topic for a different time. you supposed to know this? The, the, yeah. Way, the, yeah, the way that they don't always, like, apparently knowing where to go isn't necessarily their job. It's the job of the phone, the app. It is. That's why it's the perfect model to just replace the drivers with computers. Well, uh, it's yeah. going to happen. So No one's going to And, like, the gig economy itself is another topic which is dangerous. And, you know, to continue with putting that Hamilton Nolan hat on, Sean, <laughs> I, I would point out that the thing, about, <laughs> the thing about tipping taxi drivers is that, and unlike Uber drivers and, you know, Lyft drivers – Taxi drivers are unionized, so they have collectively bargained a wage, and then they get tips on top of that. So as, and this kind of coming for a circle, as labor, they have a lot of power. Yeah. And, you know, so that is commendable in a lot of ways because there aren't a lot of unions anymore, and it is a strong way to have power for the the actual worker as opposed right. to, you know, you talk, how do you tip the car if it's, uh, you know, <laughs> if it's self-driving? The owner is getting something better than a tip. It's called profit. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I mean, I think that that's that's kind of what, in my mind, this all comes down to is like, it's pretty crappy to be a worker. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and Max, you made a good point that like, you know, you at least considering your station in life when you were a server, like you made a lot of money, and some people who are you know are professional servers like they can make a lot of money i saw you know when i was working in my fast casual restaurant there was a guy who made like a hundred dollars every night you know in a five-hour shift and, and that was you know those were not expensive uh bills that he was getting tipped on so you know it, it's certainly possible it's possible to do well doing that but it's just it, sure. the, the floor is really fucking low the floor yeah. is very low. But yeah, you can look up some, there's some interesting articles about the, the ceiling of being a server. Yeah. And it's fascinating. There's some restaurants where the servers make $200,000 a year. If, yeah. If and you, they're probably uh, deserving. If you want to track one or two of those down, I would be happy to uh, to link those on the episode page. Yeah. And get the intern yeah. on it. Yeah. Good. I mean, I don't really have anything else to say on this topic except for like servers and, and the people that support them both in you know on the consumer facing and in the the back and everywhere else they they do really hard work and it yeah. sucks that they don't get compensated as they should for the good work that they do yeah i mean look the the system is probably wrong and and, and needs to be changed but until it is take care of your servers yeah yeah even even if they're just pouring you a beer yeah um okay well uh Please, if you if you have thoughts on on tipping, uh, how you approach it, stories from when you worked in the service industry, come and find us on Facebook and Twitter at Pretty Okay Pod and uh, give us a shout. We would we would really love to hear about them. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, uh, it's time once again for Pierce sorry, and I really hope this is going to be an apology for a time that you didn't tip someone. Or every time um, you didn't tip someone. No, no, it's 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 not. But it makes me. It, it's it's related to kind of a coffee shop experience, and um, I've, you know, it, if anything, it made me tip, uh, be more inclined to tip. So one of the first times I went to Millie Joe's, which I guess sort of has a different name now in in Charlottesville, but it's my favorite. I think it's my favorite coffee shop in Charlottesville. Um, I started going there my fourth year of of school and uh i i love it it's a great space it's changed but i I have fond memories of it um so i went in and was ordering a pour over and uh uh you know i was looking at the different bean varietals and and what they what they were tasted like or what they were supposed to taste like and everything and i picked one that that i thought was going to be very very good max will you pronounce this word for me bourbon Bourbon. Okay, that's B O U R B O N. Okay, so I went up there and asked if I could have the bourbon coffee, 
And I apologize this because this is another example of not only do words matter, but the way you pronounce them matters. Because the sir, the 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 staff there in the in the sweetest way possible responds to me. Oh no, it's not bourbon coffee. I wish it had bourbon in it. It's bourbon. So apparently that is how you pronounce the same word, but it's actually a different type of coffee. So I apologize for pronouncing it incorrectly, and I'm pretty sure I tipped her after that because she was so nice about it. And that's the reason why I like Millie Joe's is I was educated in that moment and was also embarrassed because like I should have known that because there aren't that many. Um the, sh- the shame economy is strong. Yeah, the so shame... I, I have to apologize for, for mispronouncing it as well. No, I didn't give you any context. <laughs> no I just context. wrote bourbon just on a wrote card. wrote bourbon on, a, on an index card. And, and I... You're going to apologize sorry, no, for that next week. wrote bourbon on an index card. Yeah, yeah, I wrote, I wrote <laughs> Let's bourbon. be clear here. Next, yeah. I, I assume next week you're going to apologize to Max for pulling this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> no. But, I mean, it really it really was made by, like, the, the attempt to, like, be like, no, it's fine. We all wish there was bourbon in our coffee, but it happens to be bourbon. I yeah, I don't disagree with them. Yeah, and it was and it was lovely coffee, and I highly recommend Millie Joe's. But it's a I it's a good spot. I don't go there nearly research. enough. Um, no. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna close it out this week with a big idea from pop culture, and and, oh, and yeah. this time, uh, it it's coming from the world of music. Uh, Pierce, uh, we both enjoy a, a little group called Beach Slang, yes? Yeah, though I went to their concert. I know, well, I There's know. a story behind that, and it's icky and unfortunate, and um, they, made the, Look, the, they made the most of it. A guy in Beach Slang, a guy who was in Beach Slang and is no longer Correct. in Beach Slang, did a, a terrible thing, and uh that is a very bad thing to do but that i also don't think that means we have to not enjoy the band anymore nope not at all um so last year uh beach slang uh made a mixtape called uh here i made this for you and Mm -hmm. the the premise is they covered like five or six songs by other bands um, and they released it on cassette but also digitally. Look, we, we can talk about yeah. that another time. I don't really want to talk about it at all. The cassette yeah. part is not what's important. What's important is that they're in the process of rolling out Here I Made This For You Volume 2. Oh. And they just... They've been... It, the way they do it digitally is they roll out one song at a time. And the song that they just released, I think this week... Uh, is their cover of uh, Roadrunner by the Modern Lovers. And that is, like, that already was one of my favorite songs. It's incredible. Um, yeah. But, but to hear another band that I love doing an awesome version of a song that I love, really great. So uh, check out Roadrunner uh, by Beach Slang from Here I Made This For You, Volume 2. Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you can you can link to that on the the, the page. Uh, yeah. I can. Uh, I think I can make that happen. Okay. Good. I mean, we have lots of music on the the site that people should be checking out with Ian's. We do. Oh week. yeah. Oh so, my god. Uh, uh, we're quickly becoming like a, a nice little place to you know get 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 some music in your life. Yeah. The song you wrote last uh, that he wrote about last week uh, <laughs> was fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. I haven't listened to London Grammar in a long time, so that was really I had, cool. I had never even heard of them, so this was it was quite an introduction for me. Um, that's the end of the show. I, I want to thank everybody for bearing with us through technical difficulties. Skype decided we hope you to be did a, bear with us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if they didn't, they're not hearing this. Um, oh. So whatever. To, to the people that are hearing the end of this show, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you dealing with those occasional times when Skype's an asshole to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us on the web at prettyokpod.com that's where you can find every episode of the podcast as well as all of that awesome writing we are also on iTunes uh, so if you want to subscribe there uh, you never miss an episode pretty good way to keep up with the show Yeah. Um, and if you do that we would appreciate it if you uh, leave comments leave ratings 
help other people find the show. Uh, yeah. As I'm... And if you have any, if you have any old like Apple devices and stuff, just just make sure you uh, <laughs> you know subscribe on those devices too. Like you know, if you have your old college like email oh attached to Apple, just do that. You know, help us out. That feels like it's half a step above like paying for subscribers. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we can discuss our marketing strategies on our other podcasts. So. Um, I I just last night I watched the movie Chef with John Favreau, Ooh, yeah, um, and and his his son becomes his uh, head of marketing so to speak just because he's constantly like taking pictures and and <laughs> tweeting. So what we need is a precocious child to uh, develop our marketing strategy. All right, if you know any precocious children, um, they know to how to keep reach them us. away from us. Just like yeah. that's that was no, that no, was a weird thing we're... to say. No, we're we're a. <laughs> it was a weird. We're we no. I think I think it's important for people of all ages to listen to their podcasts, especially our podcasts, especially younger people, and know this is not what you aim for, children. <laughs> this is not what you aim for. Solid point. Um, oh God. Uh, we'll, pod, we'll, pod, we'll pod for tips. Don't don't be <laughs> don't, a no, server. Dear God, don't tip us. We don't do be a server. Don't do a podcast. We do not deserve it. Um. And yeah, let me see. Let me make sure I'm in the right place. Uh, oh yeah, if you have an idea for a future show topic, if you have something that you want to write about for the site, uh, drop us a line. Uh, it's pretty okay at gmail.com. Uh, we are we are certainly open to hearing what you have to say. Um, Thank you again. We will be back next week to talk about something else. I, th I think we might have a maybe a special guest pod in the works. Maybe not. Uh, some we'll have one of those uh, on the horizon pretty soon. Yeah. Um, but until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. Um, Thanks for listening. Bye.